This episode of Eye to Eye is brought to you by Janique Locks. If you're looking to get started, there's no better place. She specializes in all kinds. Dreadlocks, micro locks, sister locks, lock extensions, instant locks, interlocking, and more. If you're in the 757, please don't hesitate to contact her. You can find her on Instagram at Janique Locks. That's G-E-N-I-Q-U-E-L-O-C-S, Janique Locks. Or you can find her at her website, JaniqueLocks.com. Janique Locks, where locks are envied. All right, let's go ahead and start this podcast, man. how this works i'm very sad right now but it's gonna be all right what a quitter what you're quitting i'm not a quitter you literally just said i'm giving up <laughs> no that i'm gonna I'm give up or i'm not a quitter though i mean where's what's the fun in that synonymous i mean no there's no there's not synonymous oh okay one of them you just lay it down because you absolutely yeah, I got nothing. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest and greatest uh, episode of I to I, short for Inspire to Inspire. The podcast is all about being open, honest, and real, having conversations about life and faith. And as always, you know that we are willing to boldly go where most folks ain't trying to. By now, you probably figured out that my name is Jordan. My name is Devin. And that um, I really wanted to do my Darth Vader impersonation. But if I'm not scaring anybody, it's not worth it. And so I'm giving up. I'm not quitting. No, it's it's definitely a scary impersonation. The, the impersonation is terrifying. Terrifyingly bad. Nah, see? Again, it's not. <laughs> okay. Like, I'm trying to tell y'all, man. I've been doing this stuff for, like, I got minutes and minutes of, of experience in this, bro. Mm-hmm. You know, over years, obviously, but still minutes nonetheless. And so when I do it, I mean, it sounds real good. All the ones that I do, you know, Chase was 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 getting me on my Scooby Doo. Y'all have never heard me do my Scooby Doo. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think you're I don't, right now the way you're acting. I don't feel like anybody's worthy of my Scooby Doo. So you're not getting it. That's a real crying shame. Uh, you know, my dad's been playing golf for years and years and years, and he's still terrible at it. So just because you've done something for a long time doesn't immediately give you any kind of credit. Like that whole Gladwell 10,000 hours thing, you know, it doesn't immediately mean success. Fair. <laughs> but I'm saying, though. Okay. Y'all ain't ready for this school. That's all I got to say. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, so Devin, uh, we have a guest tonight, and we probably need to get to her before... All hell breaks loose. But first, how are you doing, sir? Oh my gosh, I'm glowing. My son is back in school. My little one is in daycare. Today is my 19th wedding anniversary. It's like the best gift we could have had. So we even were able to go out to lunch together. This weekend, we're going to go away. Like, oh my gosh, it's incredible. You know, and I know it sounds like my life is happy when I'm distanced from my children, 
which is absolutely true. Okay, it's absolutely true. I just want to, I just want to say that that is absolutely true. I love them. Okay, I love them. All right, but you know, it, it's kind of like you know they're gonna hear this one day, and there goes you. That, that's all I gotta say. That's okay, and I'll just remind them. Well, think about what you did to your poor father to make him publicly air his grievances. <laughs> nah, bro. I think this is worse. I think that uh, Ty's testosterone and and Bry's HGH. I, I feel like you're going to be in a bad way. Neither so, one of them have any problem with either one of those things. <laughs> exactly. And and they're not going to have a problem lifting you up and throwing you somewhere in the process. We, okay. we're, we're just going to, we're going to lift the man of God. As their father, they should lift me up. Yeah, it's true. Not like that, bro. Oh, okay. Not like that. <laughs> anyway, good. Um, well, we'll bypass me. I'm doing good. I'm not okay, but I'm great. Um, and God is good always. Uh, but we uh, have a really, really special guest tonight. I'm extra, extra excited. I'm not biased. I'm just right. Um, but, you know, when family gets to come hang out, they, you take advantage of that. And when they're doing extra cool things, then you put that on blast as well. Uh, so we will get to her. That might be my sister in just a second. But uh, yeah, tonight, like any other night, we're going to have good conversations. Probably going to talk about some stuff people don't want to hear. And in the process, you know, probably have a good time. That's that's my guess. Well, that's a given. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna put that out there. Uh, but yeah, uh, coming to the microphone, this person needs no introduction, but we're gonna give her one anyway. She is uh, an amazing individual. Uh, has her own real eye to eye story that I have watched uh, pretty much her entire life, like since she was born. And um, you know, I'm just excited to see the things that guys doing in her life. Plus. Uh, if there's anybody who really, and I mean this, I'm, I'm, I mean this, uh, if there's anybody who exceeds my level of petty. Whoa, because that is a high bar. That is like a pole vaulting bar of pettiness. I mean, you already got to know, you know what I'm saying? Like she was the original have a blessed day queen back in like the mid to late 2000s, if that tells you anything. And if you wow. know anything about black folks saying have a blessed day, they weren't really telling you to have a blessed day. You know what I'm <laughs> That's like the equivalent of the white woman's, oh, sweetie. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. no, bless your heart. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, bless your heart, child. Yes, yeah, exactly, just like that. Uh, but she's an amazing individual, and uh, she's taken a couple of steps to do some really awesome things, including blog. So we wanted to give her a little bit of press. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to welcome my sister, Shane Adent. Shane, how are you doing on tonight? I am great. A great introduction, bro. Thank you so much. Um, see, hold on, time out, time. See, that's how people are supposed to respond when you give great introductions. I just want to put that out there. So, Josh Chase, who else? <laughs> uh, Christy Lauren Adams. Oh, yeah, I need y'all to hear this. Okay. Well, so far, your whole "she's pettier than I am" is not living up to the <laughs> to the hype because you interrupting her from saying hello just to tout your own <laughs> intro of her is immediately petty. Dude, I'm just trying to say, though. You know, I mean, no, that's that's me trying to... I mean, not to be outdone. I got to get a little bit in. But it wasn't to cut her off. Still hogging the mic. Don't judge me. Yeah, so about that whole petty thing, I just feel like Jordan was being super generous. I don't really think I am that petty. I will say... Lies. <laughs> I will tell somebody to have a Wednesday in a heartbeat. And I will mean it. And I will also hope that they kick rocks. And I'll pray for them after it happens. Mm. 
like, you know, we should just be all the way up front and honest, you know? I like that. And, and all the petty people I've met, uh, there's always a strong lack of awareness of their pettiness. So you're fitting right in. <laughs> Devin, we were starting off on such a great foot. Oh, no, that's how I do it. Yeah. I gain trust and then I just come in. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. No, oh, to be boy. fair, I am uh, I am equal. I will I will throw shade to everybody, even people who are taller than me, and I stand in their own shade on hot days like Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's true. This this is how we work. So mm-hmm. opportunity shader. I That's right. It. Absolutely, absolutely. Anyway, yeah, let's just go ahead. Let's let's, let's get this party started because clearly, if not, we're gonna see who's the most petty, and this can go down a road it doesn't need to go down. And this is actually supposed to be a good night. Um, you know, happy anniversary, Devin. Hey, thanks. Still, still impressed by that, but we'll we'll leave that there. Uh, so, what was what's on the books first? Well, we were talking about petty. You had a petty Eddie, and I am thrilled to talk about it because actually, I got a little pettiness of my own this week. You know, whenever Boston gets bounced from the playoffs, it's it's almost like the Lakers won a championship. <laughs> On top of that, yeah, the, that other LA team—I forget their name. Um, slippers, shippers, whimpers. No, uh, oh gosh, I don't know. Anyways, it was awesome to see that they didn't advance either. That was fun. So not only did they not advance, they pretty much had a complete and total meltdown. That was impressive, to be honest with you, and not in no good way either. Uh, the only thing I will say that really kind of sucks is is R.I.P. Uh, to Doc's. Uh, Clippers coaching career. Mm-hmm. I think that was a little rough. Uh, honestly, <laughs> you know, we were talking about the Petty Eddie. Yeah, I, I do think that ultimately it goes to good old playoff P uh, for opening <laughs> up his mouth and having the audacity to say anything other than my bad guys, I suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the entire uh, playoff series. I thought that was just a little jacked up. Yeah, the pride of Palmdale, California, where I actually worked for a little while. And then the other the other funny thing is is that as soon as Doc got let go, people started calling him layoff P. <laughs> uh, I couldn't I was dying at that. I thought that was great. Like the P was silent, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Ah, that's sad. <laughs> yeah, he's been the petty eddy for about two weeks now because I think he he did some locker room speeches like telling this the team that, you know, it's not championship or bust. And they're like, um, we have no first round picks till 2027. It is definitely championship or bust. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it was just bad across the board, bro. I mean, it was funny because they were showing like, um, again, the petty nonsense. Uh, but they were showing like a video of him and Kawhi sitting on the bench. You know, Kawhi is a man of few words, but the man knows how to make a face. And <laughs> yeah. he definitely had a brilliant laugh. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So I was looking at his face and I was like, yo, Kawhi's got really, really large hands. Just Yes. I I don't want to see him smack the crap out of anybody. But I almost did for three seconds want to see what would have happened if he might have. He'd have killed him. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that was, that's, that's my thought process. No, those hands are like uh, what happens to, uh, is it uh, Dave Grohl's hand in the Everlong Foo Fighters video? Chill out, bro. Uh huh. If you don't know what that is, look it up. It's almost as creepy as the small arms that Roger Federer <laughs> and Rafi Nadal have. This hand is that large. Look up the Everlong music video. Okay, that's a '90s throwback for you kids. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the great part about that is, I mean, number one, that that was my jam. But number two, you know, anybody who had those large hands 
or arms is, is getting paid millions of dollars to do that. So yeah, <sighs> what can you do? Okay, yeah, that's that's definitely worth the petty Eddie. Thank you, layoff P. We appreciate all of your time and effort into becoming a jerk. Yeah, I mean, somebody hired Doc. That's all I got to say. Oh, he'll get a job. He'll get a job. I mean, yeah, he'll definitely land on his feet. But, bro, just the way that whole thing went down. <laughs> Petty Eddie of the freaking day. Mm-hmm. We, you know how much we, we like to talk about who, because ball is life, as Jordan likes to say. And uh, one of the stories that you wanted to talk about was Steven Jackson talking to AI on his podcast and kind of comes full circle to a conversation we had Oh, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 episodes ago where we were talking about kind of culturally in the black culture, how it's difficult for black men to show any type of vulnerability or emotion um, just because that's seen as weakness. And Jordan and I talk often about when you're a man of God, a vulnerability is a strength. Uh, It's the opposite of a weakness. And so I think you wanted to touch on that a bit because AI is just one of these, he's a very polarizing character but at the same time, he is a guy that he achieved more than he should have at his size. He achieved more than he should have on the teams he was on. He always raised the bar whenever he was in a game. He also raised the bar on the most glorious rant about practicing that I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> uh, I myself owned a pair of AI Reeboks. Uh, AI is the man. Jordan, you want to talk about a little bit about AI? Because I know that uh, he probably holds a special place in your heart too, especially being from this area, correct? Even to this day, man. Listen, first and foremost, if you were in high school in this area in the mid to late 1990s, there was no way that you did not know about try and go see, uh, attain some type of access to, or at least keep the myth and the legend staple completely connected to one Allen AI Bubba Chuck. Iverson. <laughs> like, just let it be known. I mean, not bro. In 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 my old my my basketball old age, um, even when I play ball now, my shoot around shirt is a large shirt from this company called Hall of Fame. It's like a triple X. You know, I'm definitely not that large. Shut up. <laughs> and um, what it is 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 it's a picture of the infamous scene when one now coach, former player Tyron Lue got <laughs> shook out of shorts. <laughs> And, of course, AI hits that three. And what does he do? Steps right over my guy. You know, I mean, the, these are the things that inspired us back in the day to be the competitive, you know, the, the animal. You know, I, the, one, the one I wish I could find and I still haven't found to this day is the joint where Iverson catches and yokes the rebound over Marcus Camby when he was playing for the Toronto Raptors, oh, which man. very shortly after gave Camby his, his marijuana problem. Um, you know, this this is one of those things where, you know, the, the man did the double crossover on, on MJ himself. Like these, these are the things that forever stayed in your mind. And, you know, I mean, for what is worth, yeah, Jesus definitely takes just, just a a lot more precedence over over my life than AI does, but but (laughs) facts and we're coming up in culture. What? I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, and and to know everything that you know the the hood that he was everybody at least heard one of the rap songs that you weren't supposed to listen to that that he made it's interesting to note what Steven Jackson says and that was the thing that got me specifically he was basically talking about you know Iverson being the individual that he was and 
Iverson being the influence that he was and Iverson being the impact that he was. And then he said something that that kind of shook me to my core. You know, we were talking about in this season of COVID-19 and everything else. Jackson said, you know, we just lost Kobe. We can't lose you too. And for what it's worth, that's, that hits hard already. But then he says something after that that was really what got me. And I quote, you know why I'm telling you. Uh, you know why I'm, I'm giving you flowers. Uh, we're going to give you all the flowers right now because you mean a lot to us, Jackson said. You know, and so remember that, you know, this has been, I guess, a, I don't know if it's a craze, but it's something that's popped up on social media recently where they're talking about giving the legends the flowers while they live. And, you know, basically that translates into understanding that we show appreciation for those who have done things for us that that mean the world to us now because yeah. the last thing you want to do is drop those roses on a casket. Right. And I believe and I love it and celebrating people, but if we're talking about black culture and specifically the culture of black men. Last year, you're probably not going to hear this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like a few years ago, for sure. And, you know, when I was growing up, I mean, we've had this conversation. It was all about being tough. It was all about showing that you had that thick skin. And, you know, I mean, I know that part of this contributes to other conversations we've had, especially on race and assumption. But think about the three dudes that are having this conversation. <laughs> Steven Jackson, who's infamous for getting in fights, for doing a whole bunch of other nonsense that he probably ain't supposed to be doing. Malice in the palace. Yeah. And then we don't need to talk about Mr. I'll scrap Derek Fisher. <laughs> you know, and, and then, of course, we got AI. And again, you know, AI wasn't nobody spring chicken, bro. Like, he almost didn't get to go play college ball because of a brawl that happened inside of a bowling alley. Like everybody yeah. knows about these things and still, you know, the, the commonalities of, of that culture. Yeah. Just seeing this complete inversion, even watching the video, man, and just watching like AI being shook. You know, this is, this is, this is unprecedented. That's, that's the best way to put it. It's really unprecedented. And I just, I love the fact that, that we're getting an opportunity to see this. And I know that you got some stuff that you probably want to add to that. You too, Shane. But I am really just kind of in complete admiration of the fact that some folks are really dropping the stigma and the stereotype. And they're really taking the opportunity to say, oh, it's not worth all the stuff that we've come up under and, and everything to, to not say this. Because if somebody really means something to you, then you need to take the time and you need to acknowledge that. And so, yeah, I just I got a real salute to them for that because... Because I think that this is one of the things that we need to process and to metabolize if we're going to try and get to the next level and not just be like, yo, I'm good. Or, you know, if this or something like that. Because that's not where... I mean, Jesus wept. You know, the the, the shortest verse in the Bible that has implications that cannot be matched on the understanding of why he wept um, and, and the understanding of what it really meant to him. Bro, how, how, how could we not sit up here and acknowledge this moment? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, that's what I got. Let me shut up. No, I agree. I think it's awesome. Um, I think that especially within our um, community, um, there are a lot of assumptions made, um, especially, I, I mean, I'm not a Black man, but um, <laughs> from the community of, of Black men, my brothers, um, my husband, other family members, other friends, there's always this assumption um, of having to be hard, having to have almost a toxic masculinity yeah. um, that anything emotional comes, any anytime you're being emotional, anytime you're expressing yourself, um, that that is frowned upon or that uh, makes you softer or makes you 
um, less of a man in, you know, the, in actuality, um, we all, we all like to hear, we all, we all like to be loved. We all like to be appreciated. We all like to be acknowledged. Um, so I think it's great that um, pioneers, AI, Derek Fisher, Steven Jackson, like pioneers in that particular Not game. Not Derek Fisher. Hey, come on. Point four. Don't do Derek like that. Come on. Yeah, don't do my Laker like that. Come on. Like Derek. No shade, Devin. Just saying. Um, uh. I think it's great that, you know, they are open and transparent enough to say, hey, listen, I really respect what it is that you do. And I hope my prayer is that um, this will be the start of having more of those transparent conversations, having those open conversations, because I think there's an assumption that people know how you feel about them. And while, you know, I can say, you know, just between me and Jordan, I know that Jordan loves me, um, but it doesn't lessen the effect it has when he actually comes out his mouth and says those things. When he was introducing me, I'm like, you know, wow, like, this is how you really feel? Like, we don't have <laughs> <these> conversations, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like, okay, so innately, like, I'm, I mean, I'm sure he's not going to throw me under the bus on a public platform, but it's like, wow, like, this is how you really feel like when you're talking to other people about me. And I think that's something that needs to be had um, really within all communities, but especially um, as it relates to black men, because usually it is over the casket when people are like, you know, that was my homie. That was my best friend. He had this defining moment and impacted the rest of my life. People want to hear that while they are still alive and well. So I think it's great. Yeah, that's a, that's beautiful because I think, Something that has kind of become a a little bit of of a cliche is that no one talks ill of the dead, and it's it's funny how difficult a compliment can be when you're in the room with somebody who's listening to you. And I I don't know why that's so difficult to say, but it is. I think it's just something that's in, inherently difficult, especially among men, um, but it, you know among women too. You know that it's something it's just difficult to it's difficult to tell somebody that they're better at something or that maybe something that they've achieved. And in reality, it's almost like, like reverse forgiveness, right? Like when we're talking about how healthy forgiveness is, it's a way of you getting beyond a hurt or hang up. If you compliment somebody in a sense of even in competition, it's a way for you to at least acknowledge somebody being great and that might speak into their life. It, it's this thing of kind of letting go and breaking down those barriers. And the only thing I could think of when you were talking about somebody like AI and Steven Jackson, especially Steven Jackson, because he's, I mean, he is a gangster. Let's not, let's not kid. Like nobody, nobody wants to mess with that guy. Um, he's the one talking about laying flowers at AI's feet now, which is such kind of a, a biblical thing, right? Like, let's respect those who came before us. Let's uh, provide, you know, praise and honor to the people who came before us and, and the ones who inspired us. And sometimes that's, that's really difficult to do. But as we're seeing this change, especially like you're talking about in, in the black male community, where it's even harder just because of the hardships and the challenges that you guys have gone through, but we're asking for this change kind of radically across our nation that the status quo can simply not exist in a call for dynamic change. And unless black men are willing to change the way they view life, it's going to be difficult for them to get other people to buy in how they view black men. 
it's very apparent that a lot of the life that you witness collectively from black men is something that has been developed in a vacuum. I think that's the easiest and, and the best way that I can explain that. Um, and to that extent, though, you know, this is, I don't even know how to say it really, the overarching conversation um, as we begin to approach this is that there are so many different stereotypes that we need to approach. Like as we're having this conversation right now, I'm just thinking to myself, well, dang, this is one of, you know, probably a good 15, 20 different assumptions that I've had to address myself as a black man over the past. I mean, shoot, I'd say all my life, but especially in the past like six to eight years, you know, for what it's worth, we, we can begin to kind of get really, really epidermic with this and just start assessing and addressing, you know, how, I don't know. I mean, on, on a corporate level, this could get us in all kinds of trouble. I can start talking about how we can back to the days of the lynching period, or we can talk about mass incarceration. We can talk about eugenics. We can talk about all the different things that have kind of led us to this point. Um, but the one thing that I do love about this specifically and why um, I really wanted to single this out, because if you think about it, this isn't the, the first time that we've seen AI in an emotional moment. You know, when he was at his Hall of Fame, uh, speech, you know, he literally thanked John Thompson, RIPJT, yeah, for for saving his life. Those are the words that he used, right? You know, saving his life, and he was crying there, you know. And so, but I, I see that though. But that was different. That was more so AI showing reverence and respect for somebody who was like a father to him. And likewise, you know, Thompson was a father figure to, to most any one of his players that he had. But now. And this is something that's different for me. I feel like this is this this is hitting on a peer level, you know, like Jackson and 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 AI and and anybody else in that room. Like the, we're not talking about father figures no more. We're not talking about a father son relationship, which also is very very important, especially in this conversation because there are so many fatherless homes. And again, don't get me started on that. Yeah. Um, but now when we're talking peer, like. Uh, if I can give you two seconds worth of access and, and a white folk wonder that you weren't asking, um, you know, this is one of those things where coming up, you always had your boys, quote unquote, you know, and then you would have like the others. And it was a clear mark of tribalism, which irony, look at what we look at the nation <laughs> we live in now. But, uh, you know, it, it was, it was a clear mark of tribalism. And in it, if, if they weren't your friends, yeah, y'all could be cool. But if y'all weren't boys, you know, boys was yeah. the word. You know, like you, you had your three or four or five dudes. Y'all were actually y'all were hella tight. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's that's how things work. It wasn't called friends in the hood. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, it was, uh, I don't know, whatever. You could you could say, uh, you know, nowadays acquaintance. Um, you know, really <laughs> yes. really close friend. Shut up. Uh, but <laughs> my LinkedIn <laughs> you know, connection. But if you didn't do that, then you know, it's not like you really had that kind of respect for folks, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, and so, you know, on a peer level, I, I'm willing to bet that, you know, they might've been cool, but for what it's worth, you know, I don't see these two hanging out that much back in the day, especially, you know, I mean, we, we talking about, we talking about like some of the toughest dudes in the NBA. AI was tough, but AI was tough. Like he could take licks, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. 
the 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 other two, him and Barnett, are are known for giving licks. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and I'm pretty sure that they weren't really that close then. And, and to be honest with you, I don't know exactly how close they are now. Just to have him interviewed on 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 their TV show or whatever it is, that that doesn't speak to you know how close they are. But right. So to be able, to be able to 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 give that statement, to be able to give those words. Like I'm saying, this is it almost feels like it's a shift in the phenomenon of the culture. What I want to see is what happens from here on out. Which is a really cool testament, you know, being that this show is called Eye to Eye, Inspire to Inspire. It's kind of neat to see somebody like AI who is unique in his size and then skill set. Anybody else who had that type of offensive game and that type of impact, they were the 6'6 Jordans, they were the 6'7 Kobe's, like they were the Vince Carters, like that's who they were. And he had that at Six one, you know what, one hundred and twelve pounds, like like some <laughs> some emaciated weight. Like I mean, it was unbelievable to see what he would do. But the fact that somebody like Stephen Jackson, who again is as street and as hard as they come, is looking up to AI with such a reverence, even though they are not the same position, they're not even the same type of of skill level. They're not the same. There's nothing about their games that are similar in any way. And yet the one who comes before you, and it just goes to show you that you never know who you're going to impact with what you do. You never know who you're going to inspire by what your calling is. And sometimes those things happen and you never get the chance to actually talk to that person on a podcast, right? You never actually experience it. And in some cases that can cause people to stop. That can cause people to to give up on whatever their calling might be because they're not hearing that validation. But just know that maybe that validation comes 20 years later. So I did find a white folk wonder. You brought up John Thompson. AI is probably one of the most fortunate athletes when you think about who his college coach was. And it, he wouldn't have been able to do what he did in college without that type of guy, without that father figure, without that guy. But then you fast forward to his NBA career and Larry Brown had an equal impact on him in the pros. And I'm wondering, as a white person, what does that say to like a, a black man like you, Jordan, when you're coming under the tutelage of somebody who is so big in the room, like a John Thompson and so legendary at Georgetown, and then you end up under the mentorship of a Larry Brown, who style is totally different, even if he is also a Hall of Fame coach for what he did in college and in the pros, that's got to be a very different situation for AI to go into, no? Hmm. Uh, bro. <laughs> I always know when I got a good question because he's like, uh. I mean, I, you know, the funny thing is I, I got your answer, though. Okay. Um, you always do. I just, I wanted to figure out the right way to metabolize it. I think I got it. Okay. Hebrews 13, 7. Consider your leaders who spoke the word of God uh, to you. I take measure of their way of life, and then imitate their faith. Oh, now you're just showing off. I mean, bro, I'm pretty sure that's not verbatim, but whatever. <laughs> uh, so this is what I'm thinking in this one. When I think about any type of application, and when it, when it says who spoke the word of God to you, that doesn't necessarily mean that sometimes they have to be your pastors, those who who uh, who give you that coaching and that wisdom. Yeah. You know, it doesn't define what they have to be uh, what they have to look like, what, what what are their presets. I don't think about things that way. And, you know, maybe that's that's just me. If if I'm being my cultural self, um, I do feel like it is of most significance that Black folks do come up with uh, 
a great black presence in their lives. You know, I was I was blessed to have C. Rutherford to uh, be my father and also be a father figure and be a whole bunch of other stuff that, you know, I, I needed. And and then on top of that, I remember we, we I, I did a post on Facebook a while ago that was asking a simple question, had, had anybody ever had a black man as a teacher in their lives? And sadly, many people responded, uh, man, woman, white, black, and other, uh, saying that they had never had one before. I was really blessed, yo. I had uh, Mr. Finney, Mr. Stinchcomb, uh, Mr. McCarthy, Mr. Mitchell was my by my Taekwondo sensei. All of them were black. Mr. Finney was was like a first or second grade teacher. He was also a lawyer, you know, and and he did both at the same time. And so I came up under that. And like again, like I came up under my pops, who was also a PTA president at the private school that I went to. You know, I had the opportunity to experience, if we want to use these words specifically, black excellence. You know, I got a chance to experience them firsthand and I got a chance to experience them in the form of male role models um, that, of course, may not have been perfect. But, you know, I'm talking about from when I was like two, three, four years old until the time that I was like maybe eight, nine years old. Like that was my come up. And then, of course, I still had my father in the household. I was blessed to have that. Let's fast forward a few decades. There's a guy in my life named named Steve Kelly. There's a guy in my life named Chris Moore. There's a guy in my life named Derek Holzer. And all of these got to be some of the whitest dudes <laughs> I've ever <laughs> encountered in my entire life. And, you know, for what it's worth. I didn't say it. I'm just saying. You know, I'm, and, and shots to all of them. Um, and there, there are many more. And they're not the only ones. I had Hispanic folk. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's just... I've had these people that have come alongside me and pastored me or mentored me or led me. And for what it's worth, yeah, they did it a whole lot different than some of the folks that I knew coming up, you know, but it doesn't change the fact that it was not to be appreciated by me, you know, and some folks, they're, they're leery of stuff like that. And I, to be honest with you, I completely understand because uh, the ecosystems and and the environments around us would would have it be that, we are not to trust those who are not a part of our initial environment. Right. And so, yeah, I came up around that too. And we've had other conversations and instances, convergence experiences. I've been racially profiled. I've had people call me the N-word and all this other stuff. And obviously they had to have been white if they were black. That would be really interesting. But, you know, I, it's just one of those things. Where, yeah, I know it does happen too. <laughs> I was going to say, have you seen the movie Colors? Yeah, it happens. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. trust me. I, I mean, I, everybody's watched the Boondocks, I think. But you know, it's just it, it is for me one of those things where I, I really do like that question because when I think about my life, I recognize exactly how blessed I've been. It causes me to also question though uh, those individuals who have not been so fortunate to have had that, and because of that, maybe they are leery. Maybe they are not thinking that somebody who does not have their skin color has their best interest in mind or genuinely cares for them or loves them. You know, so, I mean, it gives me more to chew on, but I don't know. I just, I'm stuck at the fact that my godfather was a PTA president at <laughs> some, somebody's private school. Yeah, he I was just... like he was like a four-time PTA president too, yo. Sonny was getting it. Wow, because that's like the whitest job ever. Picture like like white women with like beehive hairs and like skirts that go to their cankles and just walking into the school to yell at other white women. <laughs> Bake sales galore. Like this is just, I just, 
And like, this is great. Um, as far as my experience was concerned, um, it wasn't the same as Jordan's. <laughs> Good. Good. We need some perspective. <laughs> so, um, I I grew up. So I lived in New York first part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up on a block where everybody looked like me, and then we moved to Virginia. Um, and we moved to Great Bridge. Great Bridge so, bro. It was kind oh, wow. Of a <laughs> It really was kind of a culture shock. Um, and I can remember uh, being one of the very few Black people in my class. And, you know, there was all kind of like, oh, we got to stick together um, type situation, uh, you know, early on in life. And then um, I went to Great Bridge uh, Middle School and then um, I got accepted into a uh, baccalaureate program. So I ended up going to Oscar Smith. So again, it was another culture Oscar shift. Smith. So um, I feel like... Steadily rolling splits. Really? <laughs> really? Jeez. Really? Sorry, look. Okay, my you will bad. not talk that. about Oscar That's Fromble my Smith. No, man, look, Oscar Fromble Smith, look, look, I went to summer school there like two or three good times. And every time I did, anybody that I knew from Oscar Smith did nothing but freestyle during the lunches. Nothing. We were talented. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. They did nothing but freestyle during the lunches. Bro. I'm telling you, they were talented okay. and they were moguls. They uh, used their free time oh my to God. work I'm on their digress. business. I don't know why you would you would get on them for that. It was basically Cape Henry's version of acapella. Uh, oh, <laughs> there wow, you go. Man. Keep answering your questions. <laughs> yeah, if you'd so, stop interrupting. <laughs> so I've I spent a lot of my formative years um, being back and forth in different environments where. Um, I wouldn't say that I necessarily felt like I had to code switch, but it taught me that I had to learn how to be a chameleon. Yeah. Um, So I had to, um, in school where I had, I found myself having white friends, um, there was a certain vernacular that was used. So Mm. I would be accepted among them. But then there was also a black vernacular that had to be used when I was around my friends outside of school um, so that I would fit in in both dynamics. And interestingly enough, when I left Great Bridge Middle School and I started Oscar Smith High School, uh, one of the things that I remember is that I was criticized for not being black enough. Oh, you know, you got accepted into this baccalaureate program. You're in this school with all these white kids. Um, you think you're better than us. And I'm like, well, how, how do we get there? Because you don't even know my name. I value my education. So that makes me better than you. So it was, it's always a, it's always, for me, it's always been a very interesting duality. I would say that it wasn't really until my adult years where I really felt like I had developed a formative relationship with a white couple. And it's ironically, it was my parents' neighbors. Um, shots, shots out to uh, Kate and Bill. So like I call them my white auntie and uncle. They are, you know, uh, couldn't be any more different than my family, but when it came down to when my when my parents were sick, when my mom had cancer, when my dad had cancer, you want to talk about the people who were there, the people who came over, spent the night with my mom to make sure she was okay. When she was admitted to the hospital, they were always there, emergency contacts on, you know, forms and stuff. So it really helped me to see like, man, like it's really about the character of the people that you're around, that you allow yourself to be with and having that duality of being able to educate and also learn from other people's experiences. So This parallels with episode 39 so so nicely, right? Yeah, it did, it did. I mean, I'll, I'll say, I'll, I'll back that up too because, you know, we all are family and it's, 
it's so funny. Like, this is, um, we'll probably talk about this a little bit later on too, but you know, what she's saying is, is a hundred percent valid in, in that moment and in that situation too. And I love the fact that with them, with Bill and Kate, who I call cousin, even though she calls him aunt and uncle, it's, it's awkward, but we're all family. So it works. We go over their house and like, that's Thanksgiving dinner. You know what I'm saying? Like that's Easter brunch and all the other stuff that we never did before, but they're white and they want to do it. So we do it with them. You know, it's, 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 it's really great. I, I like how she said code switch. Like that's one of those things that I feel like we need to have a conversation about here one day anyway. But with them, I don't ever find myself doing that. And I think that was the 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 interesting thing to note about them. And even with um, you know, some of my some of my my my, my pastor leader mentor friends, you know, I I'll semi code switch with them, but I really don't do it. And I love the fact that just kind of going back to talking about Steven Jackson and them for a second, like one of the things that he made note of was how AI was able to be AI no matter what. Yeah. You know, we're talking about like all the tattoos and stuff. And and just to kind of know that he was able to still be himself and still be as impactful as he was. It reminds me of something that the great prophet, my brother Colin Brown, said before. Like, when you already know you're going to be successful, why does it even matter? Mm. And to be honest with you, that's something that's kind of stuck with me to this day. Like, I work a job in a nonprofit in a sphere where I'm operating with a lot of folk who don't look like me already. That that could be crazy enough. But then, you know, we've had conversation about hair and I, I now have a nice, beautiful, full set of dreads. <laughs> um, and I have a variety of tattoos and I'm going to get some more. And I don't look like I would technically stereotypically fit into the environments in which I'm in. But it's one of those things where I had an understanding in myself that identity is in Christ, first and foremost, that none of that's really going to matter if what I'm doing for him is really for him. Because if it is, then he's going to bless and progress me. But the second thing is my ability to relate to people is not going to be contingent upon what I can do to be like or for them or even sound like them. And I get it because I have had to co-switch from time to time with certain individuals. But when you are in genuine relationship with folks, one of the things that I understand is that they accept you for you and you accept them for them. And when you can do that, you can sound like this. You know, you don't have to extrapolate and enunciate and do all (laughs) of those things that I know I will do from time to time with certain people. This is the kind of family that they were because I want to rant about Bill and Kate for two seconds real quick because they did take care of my family the way that they took care of them and I love them for that. Like, they actually got in trouble with us when my aunt passed away. And the reason why they got in trouble with us was because during the actual service in the home going of my amazing and beautiful auntie, Shots, shots to, to Gerald McLeod. Still out there doing the dang thing and that eternal rest. They thought it wise to just kind of stay back and sit in the pew with everybody else at the beautiful Mount Cathedral or wherever we were. It was one of the Mount buildings. And because they, you know, they weren't immediate family, quote unquote. So they didn't sit up front with the family. Do you know they caught the cussing of a lifetime after that job? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you not sit in the front with us? What is wrong with you? If she ever happens to resurrect, we have to do this again. You know where you're supposed to sit, dog. Like, yeah. that's how serious that we took the family ethic. That's what I'm going to call it. The family mm-hmm. ethic in this. Because that's exactly what they were to be treated like. That is what they are to us. And so that's how that works. 
you know, and so it's just one of those things now where just going back to your white folk wonder question, this is what I would pose and this is what I would posit. If you're in genuine relationship with people as we all need to be, why would that even matter? Yeah. Because when it comes down to it, I think that's our major problem as it is. People don't know how to metabolize other cultures properly enough to be able to break bread with them and get to this point where you can have relationship with folk like that. Like in the case of Black Lives Mattering, I know that Bill and Kate, they may not understand it all fully, but they back and support us. Thank you.